it was incredible. And I've never, ever seen that before. And it was while we were in the backyard, Maverick was swimming in the pool. We were all spending time together. And I really believe that was Orion there too, telling us, telling me he was there enjoying all of that time with us. When we grieve the loss of a loved one, we try our best to keep them with us, to hold them close in our hearts, and to tell their stories to others. But can our loved ones reach out to us? Can we open our minds and our hearts to the possibility that they somehow need us as much as we still need them? Can they comfort us in our time of need? Welcome friends to the seventh season of Bereave But Still Me. Our purpose is to empower members of our community. Michael Lieben is usually the host of our program and I'm the producer, but today we're switching places. I am Nancy Jensen. My daughter Jessica passed away from complications after having numerous congenital heart defects for over 20 years, and that loss is what has brought me here to be the host of the program. Here with us today is our guest, Whitney Samarano. Whitney is the mom of two boys, Orion and Maverick, who were born in 2017. In 2020, when the boys were two and a half, Orion drowned in the middle of the night in his grandmother's pool during a visit. Whitney and her husband eventually divorced, but they remained supportive of each other and are great friends. Whitney developed a podcast, The Selfish Griever, to share her experiences with her grief and to support others. Whitney's passion is to let others know they are not alone or judged in their grief and in the ways they choose to remember their loved one and to keep their memory alive. I'm so happy to have Whitney on our podcast since she and I have actually met in person. Thank you for joining us on Brave But Still Me, Whitney. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start with you telling us about Orion. Orion is my firstborn twin son, and people used to look at me funny when I would say that, but he was delivered 30 minutes ahead of his brother, so I always felt he solidly held the title of oldest brother. And he was this amazing source of light and joy. And when he was 18 months old, he was diagnosed with autism. But that wasn't him. That wasn't who he was and all that I remember him for. And he was giggly and joyful. And he loved to be picked up and held. And he would walk up to complete strangers and raise his arms up, which is the universal signal for pick me up because he was nonverbal. And then when they would pick him up, he would cling on so tightly. He one time did that to a mom about a week before he passed away. And she looked at me and said, I don't even get this kind of love at my own home from my own kids. And that's who my son was. He was complete love and joy, and I really believe that's what his soul was here to do, to bring that uninhibited kind of love to everybody that he met. Oh, that's so sweet. I can just imagine him doing that. Can you tell us about how Orion passed? It was in June 2020, which was the height of COVID, and the boys were all of us were going stir crazy being quarantined at home. So I thought it would be a good idea to go visit my mom because she had a pool 
And I thought at least I could take the boys swimming twice a day and burn off some energy. So we went in and did that. And Orion loved swimming. Maverick likes swimming too, but Orion was like a duck on water. I mean, he just was drawn to the pool. Every time you opened the gate, he was immediately to the pool. And he did not understand the dangers of the pool. He had no fear. And I was, of course, terrified and had all these precautions in place. We installed childproof locks on doors and we had a doggy door, but it had a door that you could close on it. And we had this huge floor to ceiling wrought iron gate that blocked off the entire length of the patio from the yard where the pool was. And unfortunately, there just really is no way to guarantee in life that accidents will never happen. And one night when we all went to bed and I thought Orion was asleep with his brother Maverick and we had a baby monitor in the room and my husband was there that weekend and we were asleep in another bedroom that was also off the patio and we never heard a thing. We didn't hear any noise in the bedroom. We didn't hear any noise on the patio. We went to bed about an hour after I thought Orion was asleep and a little before midnight, I heard my mom's dog crying in her crate in another bedroom down the hall. And so I got up to let her out And when I got to the back door to let her out onto the patio that then passes through to the backyard, I noticed that the lights were on in the boys' bedroom. And I remember thinking, that's weird. I didn't leave it that way. And I couldn't find Orion anywhere. And Maverick was asleep, passed out in the bed, completely unaware of anything going on. And I frantically searched the house And that's when I realized that when I had opened the door to let the dog out, I didn't need to open the gate to the backyard. And I rushed back out there, but Orion was already at the bottom of the pool. And there was, um, there was nothing we could do at that point. And so, um, the next morning was Father's Day. And we spent the morning calling family and friends to tell them that Orion had died during the night. I'm so sorry. That must have been so hard. Yeah, it was. I wish I could give you a real hug right now. It's all right. We get emotional on our podcast here. (laughs) I get emotional every day, so... (laughs) (laughs) well there's nothing wrong with that (laughs) thank you for sharing that very difficult story with us has that made it really difficult for you to go to your mom's house yeah it really has but I was just there recently and it's a bittersweet feeling because it's the last place he was I went swimming in the pool with Maverick over the weekend and it 
was really a place that Orion loved and that he had so much joy and Maverick loves to swim. So it's just hard. It's hard to appreciate the memories while also remembering the pain. And then when you try and put the pain aside, you start to wonder what kind of grieving mom does that make you when you can be laughing and joking and playing with your surviving son in the same pool where your other son died? Well, what we've learned and what I've learned over the years is that you can hold grief and joy at the same time and that it's okay to feel both. Yeah, that the love That the love for one child, because I have three others, does not get rid of the love that you have for the other. Yeah. So the loss of a child often challenges how a marriage works. Can you tell us about how losing Orion affected your marriage? The loss of Orion first challenged me and who I was. I think about that, the title of your podcast, Bereaved But Still Me. I didn't know who me was anymore. And I realized that I had spent the first 30 years of my life devoting so much of my energy towards trying to be who I thought I was supposed to be, who I thought society expected me to be, who was the right kind of me. And after Orion died, I didn't have anything left to put towards that. It took all my mental energy and focus just to make it through each day. And so about a year, a little over a year after Orion died, I just realized I didn't have anything in me to keep putting towards pretending that I was happy in my marriage. I didn't really think that his dad was happy in our marriage. And I finally admitted that to myself and to him when I said I wanted a divorce. And now I spend that energy devoted towards finding out who me is, trying to be the authentic me instead of this masked version that I used to think was acceptable to present to everybody else. And I really believe that myself and my ex-husband are now better parents to Maverick, that we each are now happier. And we're described by our friends as being the most married divorced couple you've ever met. Uh, Because (laughs) after Orion died, all those things that I used to be so worried about just seemed petty and unimportant. And for me, Maverick is the most important thing. And so although there are things about my marriage and myself and my ex that meant we weren't compatible. I recognize that he's still a great dad and Maverick deserves to have a great family. And so that's what I put my focus on instead of whatever our differences were or continue to be. And I think that that's really shaped by my grief and my perspective on life now that I wouldn't have been able to grasp before uh, Orion died. You are listening to Bereaved But Still Me, 
If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at bereavedbutstillme.com. That's michael at bereavedbutstillme.com. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. Whitney, let's talk about therapy and the role therapy has played in your life since you lost Orion. Well, I didn't have any prior experience with therapy before Orion's death. In fact, I would describe my family and my childhood as just get a stiff upper lip. You're fine. Get over it. So when I realized that I was not fine and I needed to find somebody who could help me, I struggled with finding the right services I didn't know where to look. I didn't even really know what I was looking for. And I was uninformed, basically. And I ended up initially with a therapist who, in my opinion now, was not qualified to counsel me in my grief and I think ethically should have declined me as a patient. But I'm sure that there's a whole list of reasons. Maybe she was uninformed or I found her through my insurance, so maybe she has obligations you know, through that contract I'm unaware of, but ultimately it ended up being a very poor fit. And I finally, after I think four sessions, realized that I didn't need to keep going back. That just because she had a lot of letters after her name didn't mean that she knew how to help me. And that's probably the first time that I really advocated for myself on my grief journey. Well, I commend you. (laughs) for being able to do that. It took me a while to be able to do that. For my grief, I didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't understand a lot of symptoms that I was having. I didn't understand that it was, you know, normal to not be able to remember my son sometimes, to feel so disassociated, to have anxiety about being alone with my other son, Maverick. I was eventually diagnosed with PTSD. So about the first year I didn't sleep. I would stay awake until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. And then I would sleep for about three hours and then wake up again in like a startled awakeness and panicked about what happened while I was sleeping. I was terrified that if I fell asleep, that something was going to happen to Maverick. I wouldn't even lay down and get into bed. I would just basically sit on the couch until I fell asleep and then would wake up there again. Eventually, I stumbled onto a grief counselor through a local hospice and was able to work with her for about a year in one-on-one sessions. And she ended up being exactly what I needed because she herself had lost a child when he was 10 months old, about 20 years prior. So she was a bereaved mom, but she was definitely much further along in her grief journey. So she was in a place where she was able to have the perspective to help me while still relating to what I was going through and essentially commiserating, I think. And then eventually after I worked with her for a very long time, I did finally do EMDR therapy which is a specialty technique involving light and eye movement. 
And I only had to do those sessions for about four, four times of the EMDR before my PTSD was greatly improved. And I stopped having the flashbacks, um, which the flashbacks would start and then I would be unable to basically control my mind from following through with the whole sequence of events. So it would start that I'd close my eyes and see Orion at the bottom of the pool and I wouldn't be able to turn it off. I would go through the whole sequence of all the events uh, every time. And I learned later on that your body doesn't understand time. It's just responding to whatever your mind is going through. So for me, until I did the EMDR therapy, my body was physically reliving Orion's death every single day. And it was just wreaking havoc on my whole system in ways that I didn't understand and couldn't control. And so it was yeah. really it was really alarming for me. It is terrifying. I wish I'd known about EMDR when Jessica passed away. Because I had horrible PTSD, horrible flashbacks for a really long time. I'm really glad that you got to have that therapy so soon. I don't know if it's commonly talked about. I remember that I found out about it because I heard a dad, a grieving dad, get interviewed who said that he did EMDR therapy and that it really helped him. But I remember at the time that it's a relatively new type of therapy. It's also still, maybe it's getting better, but I remember feeling embarrassed to say that I was diagnosed with PTSD. I remember thinking that that's not for grieving moms, that's for soldiers who've been through combat. I had a hard time recognizing that the trauma of finding my son, lifting his dead body out of the pool like dealing with emergency personnel was as traumatic for me as, you know, a trained soldier going into combat. Absolutely. Absolutely. What role has faith played in how you've dealt with Orion's death? My faith has changed a lot. And I was raised religious and I went to parochial school or church every Sunday and Sunday school I grew up memorizing Bible verses, so I felt pretty secure in my belief of heaven. I never questioned where we go when we die before Orion's death, but after his death, everything seemed really hollow for me. It wasn't Mm -hmm. good enough anymore for heaven to be this place in the sky with clouds and you know cherubs playing harps. I needed to know more. I needed to know if my son was okay. And you know, when when they're two and you're so used to being responsible for every moment of their day, then all of a sudden they're not there and you're wondering like, where did he go? And is he okay? Right. And so I started reading every book I could find on your death experiences, on heaven. Um, That led me to reading books about psychics and mediums and signs from deceased loved ones. And it was about three months after Orion's death that I realized 
Orion was sending me hummingbirds as his sign. And the first time was at his wake when a hummingbird showed up when I was standing outside the funeral home talking with his dad and a friend. And this hummingbird had landed on this plant next to us that didn't have any flowers. There was really no reason why that hummingbird should have been attracted to this plant. And he sat there so long that my friend actually remarked on it saying he'd never seen a hummingbird sit there for so long. And actually, you know, (laughs) when you talk about the pool and going back to my mom's house, you know, when I said we were just there recently, one night a hummingbird came and landed on my mom's, my mom has a fence with cable lines and I timed it. This hummingbird sat there for 10 minutes with us, not leaving, just sitting there preening and then like looking around and then going back to some preening and for 10 solid minutes, it was incredible. And I've never, ever seen that before. And it was while we were in the backyard, Maverick was swimming in the pool. We were all spending time together. And I really believe that was Orion there too, telling us, telling me he was there enjoying all of that time with us. If you've enjoyed listening to this program, please visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.org, and make a contribution. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to educate, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at congenitalheartdefects.com. For information about CHD, hospitals that treat CHD survivors, summer camps for CHD families, and much, much more. One of the things that we've learned from doing this podcast for years is a term called post-traumatic growth, which is where someone has traumatic experience, but the person actually grows from the tragedy. Seems as though the trauma of losing Orion, you have found a way to find new meaning in your life. Can you tell me about how you came to the decision to start a podcast? I changed so much after Orion died in that my spirituality and seeing the signs and meditating and feeling that continued connection became this huge part of my life. And at the same time, I was feeling really lonely. And the friends that I had at the time when I would share with them about the signs would tell me that those weren't real, that it was the devil sending me signs, Mm -hmm. cautioning me against idolizing my son above God. And it was terrible. It was so deflating and also I felt bad for them that they couldn't believe in anything bigger than dogma and religion. And so I started thinking, am I the only one? And can I find anybody else who believes in this stuff? So I started searching for community. And I did find an organization that was specific for grieving parents who were seeking that spiritual connection. And they were doing a conference. And I really desperately wanted to attend. 
But when I found out about it, they were already sold out of tickets. And I was disappointed, but also uh, this was in March of 2022. And by that point in my life, I had accepted that I believe everything happens for a reason. And I don't say that flippantly because that statement includes the death of my son. But I believe that had he not died, had I not gone through this experience, I would not be the person that I am today. I wouldn't be the mom that I am today to Maverick. And so I just trusted that there was some reason that I wasn't supposed to be at that conference. And as time wore on, I kept thinking about another grieving mom who's just like me, who feels so lonely, who desperately misses their child, but recognizes that they're getting signs in whatever form that is, and feels like they don't know anybody else who believes in this stuff, and they feel kind of crazy even admitting it out loud that they do. And I could not stop thinking about this mom. Mm-hmm. And then one day I had this thought of, what if I started a podcast where I talked about the signs that I got and I found other parents who, grieving parents who wanted to talk about the signs that they get and share their story so that that mom who maybe can't travel to a conference, who couldn't get a ticket, who doesn't want to read all the books that I want to read, can feel that community and not feel like they're alone and can even do it anonymously if they're not ready to admit to anybody else that they believe in this stuff. They can listen to the podcast in secret and nobody ever has to know. So that's why I started the Selfish Griever podcast. I love the term, the Selfish Griever. Why is it called the Selfish Griever? I, <laughs> I've wanted the title to feel empowering. And that's really at that point in my grief journey where I felt I was, that I didn't care anymore what anybody else thought. I was going to do whatever it was that helped me the most on my grief journey. And I honestly believe that's what everybody who's grieving has to do. If you're going to find a way to move forward, you have to put yourself first in what you need. And so that's the selfish griever because I think everybody should feel safe and empowered to grieve in whatever way best supports them. If that's believing in signs like me, then then that's amazing. And if that's not, if that's that, you know, you don't think that there's anything after death because that's what supports you best, that's great too. It's not about telling everybody what they should or shouldn't be doing or believing. It's about accepting everybody on their grief journey, wherever they're at. That's awesome. I love, love, love the name of your podcast because (laughs) it does seem selfish. But then after a while, you realize I can be a better mom. I can be a better wife, you know, better mom to my surviving children. I can be a better wife. I can be a better friend. I can be a better me to give to others if I am being selfish and taking care of myself and my grief. And I think a grief journey is not something you can fake your way through. You can pretend, but you're not actually healing or making any progress if 
you're just doing what everyone else tells you you should be doing if that's not what you feel like doing or what really resonates with you. You know, I want to take back the word selfish. I don't think it has to be a negative term anymore. And that's why I named it. Somebody told me once that they thought the selfish griever was a low vibration title for my podcast that I should change it. And in my opinion, being brave enough to be selfish is the highest vibration you could get. And if everybody was just trying to do that, to worry about what helped them most first, then I think everyone would be able to help everyone else after that even more. Absolutely. So there are quite a few podcasts for the brief community. Can you tell us how to find yours? Yeah. The best way to find my podcast is to go to my website, theselfishgriever.com, because there are so many platforms out there. It is available on, I think, pretty much any platform you can find. And there are embedded players on my website. So if you don't already have a podcast platform that you use or you're not familiar with how to listen to podcasts, you can just listen to it directly from my website. And you've also been working with a support group which is actually how I found you because <laughs> I got a, a notification from a group that I didn't even belong to <laughs> about an event. And uh, that's how I found you. And it was really great to meet you in person. So tell us about the support group. Yes. So Helping Parents Heal is actually the organization that was putting on that conference that I had wanted to make it to and couldn't. And they were they do a lot of meetings over Zoom and are a great resource. They're actually international now. So that's amazing. But I always preferred in-person meetings. And so I drove to Phoenix, which is about two hours from where I live, to get to go to one of their first in-person meetings that they were hosting post-COVID. And it was incredible to be in this room with other grieving parents who were also going through a lot, but who really believed that their children were not gone and were also seeking to continue that connection. And believe it or not, Nancy, they do a large group first with a speaker, and then they do did a small group breakout. And there were four parents in my small group, including me, and three of us were parents of twins who lost one twin. And the groups were randomly assigned. So that was the universe putting me exactly in the group that I needed to be in. And that's the kind of experiences I think that can happen when you meet in person that maybe are a little easier than when you're meeting over Zoom. So after that experience, right. I thought it would be so nice to get to go to a meeting in my own town and not have to drive two hours every time. So I reached out asking about information for the local meetings and it turned out there were none because the person who had been coordinating them had had to stop. So they asked me if I'd be willing to start and I agreed and we're a much smaller group. So we just basically do small breakout groups where we get together and talk and share about signs that we receive from our deceased children or maybe struggles that we've been going through that month. We meet once a month in person and I really enjoy it and I'm looking forward to it growing more. I went this last time and 
it was really wonderful to beat the others and um, spend time with you. I hope it continues to grow as well. Yeah, thank you. This concludes this episode of Be Reap Still Me. I want to thank Whitney Severano for sharing her experience and wisdom with us. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you. Please join us at the beginning of the month for a brand new podcast. We'll talk to you soon. And until then, remember, moving forward is not moving away. Thank you for joining us. We hope you have felt supported in your grief journey. Bereaved But Still Me is a monthly podcast, and a new episode is released on the first Thursday of each month. You can hear our podcast anywhere you normally listen to podcasts at any time. Join us again next month for a brand new episode of Bereaved But Still Me.